Hey, welcome back to A Mission Focused Life. My name is Tanner Payton. I'm here in Rock Island, Illinois. With me is my good friend, Tim Olofsson, the executive director of Another Child Foundation. Tim, you're down there in beautiful Tennessee. How are you doing today, my friend? Hey, we are doing great. We have the most beautiful, sunny, pretty warm day. I mean, it's almost getting close to 70 degrees down here. So it is feeling great on the old forearms. It feels good to get out in the sun and uh, let it soak in and get warm again. Well, I'm a little jealous. We are almost at 60 here, which is kind of unusual for this time yeah. of year. So yeah. I'm uh, I'm already enjoying March way more than I did February. So I'm glad that uh, to see a little sunshine and most of our snow's gone now. So it's a yeah. good time. Yeah, actually, when because it was last February and we decided we were going to move uh, down to the Tennessee area. It took us a few months to do that. Oh. But it was that February, that Illinois February of 2021 that would just push me over the edge. I just, I can't do this anymore. It's just, it was yeah. too cold and dreary. And uh, I mean, this, so we ended up down here, but uh, yeah, so we oh. miss, our, miss our friends in Illinois though. Well, I understand. And the good thing is we have Zoom and things like this that we can still see each other face to face. So, yeah. hey, uh, you just got back from a trip to Honduras, didn't you? Yes, we did. Yeah. So we went down there, me and my uh, co-founder, John Frank Reeve, and Pastor Glenn Watley, who was a, one of our spiritual directors or mentors uh, for our ministry. He took us down there just to kind of see a, a ministry that we have just started to support. It's very similar to the Point of Hope program uh, in Romania. So it's kind of an after-school program for kids or a uh, preschool for younger kids who aren't going to school yet. And uh, amazed by the city, uh, the country of Honduras, a beautiful country. Um, you know, it's got its problems. It's got its, you know, its crime and stuff. But you don't really see that too much. It's just a beautiful country to go to. And met the director of the ministry down there, Dario, who does an amazing job. He's been at it for 30 plus years. He's 75 years old now and still has as much passion wow. and energy for reaching people as as I ever have. So it was encouraging. Trip. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad, so glad to hear that you guys had a good time there and are establishing new connections. You know, another child foundation is one of those ministries that has just unlimited reach and potential to continue to go into these different places and connect people with the gospel and be able to help people like us and our church here in the United States, be able to connect and, and reach ministries that we would never have a chance to hear of without our connection through you. So thank you guys for all that you do there. Yep, and that's where we like the idea of the network, uh, the ACF Mission Network. And what it does is it connects churches with ministry opportunities, mission trips. And then even then we're still uh, having our ministry leaders in each of those countries come together at times and discuss each other's, discuss each other's ministries, where they're struggling, what their prayers are. Uh, so that's just another degree of the networking we're doing that uh, is strengthening what we're, what God has us doing. So it's, it's fun to see. That's fantastic. Well, we talked a little bit before uh, coming on for this <clears throat> podcast today and uh, about a scripture or about a sermon rather that you had heard recently. And there was a specific quote that was, that was made about the cross. And, and you said that you thought it would be a great conversation starter. And I, and I have to agree. So I just wanted to share it real quick. Yeah. It says the cross is proof of proof of both the immense love of God and the profound wickedness 
of sin. So the cross does both of those things. It, it points us to the love of God, but it also reminds us of the horrible nature of sin. So Tim, let me ask you just to kind of get the ball rolling here. How does the cross point us to the love of God? Just through the life of Jesus Christ. I mean, just what God did to give him as that the, the, the lamb, the sacrifice, the ultimate perfect sacrifice for all of the stuff that we do, all of those bad things that we do. And we try to appease God by others, you know, the sacrifice of animals and stuff. Uh, we tried to appease God by doing those things. And, you know, it just didn't bring us closer to God, you know, closer to him. And he says, I got the, the perfect plan. And that is a, a savior for you guys, because you guys are never going to be able to live uh, without that sin. Uh, so, yeah, so me, it reminds me of just of, of God's, I call it a vision, but, you know, his plan for you know, yeah. having this ultimate sacrifice and not just as a sacrifice, because he could have done that in many ways. This is me maybe rambling a little bit. Um, it could have just been the sacrifice, but the life that he gave us, the, the teaching that he gave us, the example of his life, those 30 years, and especially the last three years of what he did for us and, and taught us, um, that's overwhelming to, to know that, you know, that, that was all done for my salvation, for your salvation, for the whole world's salvation. So it's, it's humbling, and it's just truly hard to understand just how deep God's love is for humankind. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We know there's a very famous verse that I would say pretty much any Christian would be somewhat familiar with, and it's in John chapter 3, 16. You know, and, and it's Jesus, and he, and he says, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that would whoever believed with him would not perish but have eternal life. And I love that passage, and one of the things that sticks out to me is that Jesus spoke those words before he went to the cross. So he spoke those words in anticipation of what he was here to do. You know, in Philippians chapter two, it, it talks about the humility of Jesus and how he did not consider his equality with God the Father to be something to be held on to, but rather he gave up his exalted position in heaven to come to earth and to become a human being, ultimately so that he could be obedient to dying on the cross for our sins. So the cross to me is the greatest expression of love that I can imagine because Jesus was willing to deny himself. You know, he was he was willing to give up what he had had eternally to become like one of us, to become one of us, mm -hmm. to experience what we experience and then to substitute his perfection for our brokenness. Yeah. Uh, the last couple of years, I've had the opportunity to, to go to seminary, and while I was working on my master's degree, I had a couple of classes, and both of those classes touched on the Trinity, the nature of, of God existing in three persons. Now, we're not going to have a long discussion about that, because I still can't wrap my head around it, and I've read hundreds and hundreds of papers about that now, but the, the nature of the Trinity is that you have three extent person personalities or personas of God within one essence but these three persons live in this eternal state of love and mutual submission and mutual edification so they're constantly serving each other constantly working on the other's behalf 
but there's this love and connection between them that is that is eternal. And because we were created in God's nature, that's why we have that same love and desire to be in relationship with with other people, but also with God. And so that translates, though, to an extreme expression of God's love when you go to the cross. Because on the cross, we often think about Jesus dying the physical torture. And, and that was horrific. You know what? If anybody's ever watched The Passion of the Christ, knows and understands that that was a grisly affair. And, and they say even the movie The Passion did not illustrate fully what would have really happened to Jesus, what he would have even looked like. He might he likely would have been mangled beyond even recognition of him being a human being, just the flesh completely torn from his body before he was put on the cross. And then on the cross, it's the, the suffocation process. And if anybody that's familiar with that just understands that it was a horrific torture. However, the Romans crucified tens of thousands of criminals. So this was not like Jesus was the only one to have done this. But while he was hanging on the cross, Jesus, he spoke some words and were given them in the Aramaic. In the Aramaic, he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. And this was quoting the 22nd Psalm. Jesus was asking the question, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, that can be confusing if you don't understand that Jesus is just quoting from the psalm. But the forsaking that he was experiencing was as he was becoming our sin, not just taking our sin upon him, but becoming our sin, the Father turned away. There was a disconnection within the Trinity for the first time in eternity wow. that Jesus was truly separated from the Father and the Spirit. Because God in his perfection and his holiness cannot be in the same place as sin without destroying it. And so Jesus was separated from the Father and the Spirit. And so that, I believe, would have been the most horrific aspect of the cross for Jesus. Yeah. And the amount of love that he was displaying for us, because he was literally in that moment choosing us over choosing himself his love for us was greater than even his love for himself yeah. and that's a perfect sacrificial love that drove him there yeah. because that gives me a deeper insight to the sacrifice i mean he had and I, i've always heard that he took on our sin but what that really really because without our sin he probably would not would have not even though he because he was 100 percent human 100 percent god and the crucifixion was going to take his life. But if he wouldn't have been, it's kind of hard to describe. He needed to have the sin of our sin on him so he could die, right? Because the wages of sin are, are death. So he actually right. was taking on almost in a real, very physical way, our sin, even though he remained oh, yeah. sinless, just so he could die for us. So that was the sacrifice that needed to be done. It just wasn't like, Okay, you know, he's, he's going to go up there and die in our place, but he had to right. take the sin upon him. Hmm. Ab right. Absolutely. And, and then we get into, you know, just how wicked sin is. Because in our culture today, we don't, we don't really stop to consider how damaging sin is. And this takes us back to really the Garden of Eden, where God tells Adam you know, don't eat 
of this tree, because when you do, you will know the difference between good and evil. Well, I think God was saying to Adam, you're not ready for that. <laughs> you're not ready to have that understanding. You're not ready to have that experience. It will destroy you. Because in Genesis chapter 1, God creates everything. And as he's creating it, he pauses intentionally and says, it is good. After creating humanity in his own image, God says, it is very good. So God created everything good. But you can ask anybody, if you live in this world for a minute, you're going to recognize that there are things, that there's pain, suffering, natural disasters, there's horrific atrocities that occur, there's wars. I mean, there's all this stuff, racism, all this stuff that's been dividing us, famines and um, you know, horrible diseases that are wiping out millions of people. We've, we've been experiencing all these things over the last couple of years to the extreme. So people understand that everything isn't good today. And so that begs the question, well, how could a loving God allow evil to exist? Or why would God have done this? Well, the answer is God didn't do that. God gave humanity a warning of how not to destroy his good creation. But yet human beings in our desire to be in control and our desire to do things our own way, Adam and Eve, well, they went ahead and listened to that voice of the enemy and they gave in and bam, sin entered the world. And the consequence of sin, like you just said, is physical and spiritual death. It's a physical death and a spiritual separation from the father. Sin destroys everything. It's the reason why every relationship has its issues. It's the reason why every person experiences pain. It's the reason for all suffering in all time and all places in the history of the entire world. And it was not God's plan. So I think it's so important that we do realize when talking about the cross that sin is wicked and Jesus came to overcome. I don't think people quite understand me. We know it, it's wrong. We just don't know how how wicked it can be and how deceptive it can be to our souls and to our spirit and to you know well, our bodies too. I mean, all three factors come into play when we fill ourselves with sin uh, in different ways. I mean, it, it truly is death. It truly tears our every fiber spiritually and physically away because when God created it, I mean, it was perfect. I mean, the body was perfect. You know, the soul was perfect spirit. And, and then every time that sin enters us, it's, it's designed to separate us from God and, and to destroy us. And uh, sometimes we think it's an annoyance or something we shouldn't do, but we really don't quite, because we, we categorize sin. This is just me just kind of chatting a little bit. We kind of categorize sins and sins that, it, you know, everybody does that kind of, you know, the sins that are acceptable. Um, but those sins, while they might be culturally acceptable, that's the way the evil one gets into our lives and, and builds off those. And all of a sudden, that sin elevates itself and we do it more often or, or whatever the circumstance may be. And suddenly we find ourselves, you know, in this pool of sin that we didn't anticipate and can't get out of. Right. 
Well, and you alluded to this earlier with the system of sacrifices that that God gave to the Israelites through through Moses and the law. And basically, that was the equivalent of taking dirt and sweeping it under a rug or uh, doing a quick cleanup job when you have friends coming over and throwing everything into a closet. You know, it hides it. It covers it up, but it doesn't deal with the problem. And so ultimately, that's what the cross was about, was Jesus coming to earth as a human being and actually dealing with the problem of sin once and for all so that it could be removed and overcome. And now, because Jesus has accomplished that, there is an opportunity for us as humans to be reconnected to God despite our past sin because Jesus has become that living bridge between us and the Father. And that is the power of the cross, and it shows his great love for us, and it shows how he has overcome death, sin, and the grave. Yeah. So this quote that you read about the cross, proof of both the immense love of God and the profound wickedness of sin, was given to us in, in a sermon when we were talking about uh, communion and, and that and how the blood of, of Christ that was dripped on the cross covers all of our sins and washes us white as snow. And the guy says, you know, think about that, just how strange that is. He goes, you got blood, which is almost impossible to get out of anything. Uh, and it covers us and makes us white as snow. So that's how perfect his blood was, is that even blood yeah. can remove all the stains in our um, in our lives. And, and then when we do that, so when we accept this offering of, of his life for us, then we understand his love for us. But what is our response to that? Do, are we obedient uh, to what he is calling us to do? Because if we truly understand his love for us, his desire for us to know him better, there's got to be a response to that. It's not just continually just asking for forgiveness. There's got to be this repentance and this obedience of, of living a life, and we can call it here a mission-focused life, but a life that um, is always trying to do the will of God. And uh, wow. so... Communion needs to be more than just a remembrance. It really needs to be that refocusing, that recentering oh, of our God. minds to understand how wicked we are through the sin that we, we do and how perfect his love is for us and how the life of Christ took that all away for us. You know, even when you think about us as I say for human humankind, but he did that for Tanner Payton, he did that for Tim Olufsen individually, and that's just to me, that just blows my mind that, you know, just an amazing amount of love.